Welcome to Design Talk. This season's theme is Designing Organizations. We'll be talking with entrepreneurs and product owners about building teams, shaping organizations, working with partners, suppliers, and customers. Hi, everyone. I'm Kat. And I'm Anil. We are pleased to welcome Lisa Simpson from Deloitte Island, currently responsible for Deloitte's EMEA Blockchain Lab. So first, Lisa, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And hello. Uh, it's great to, to be here. Thanks for having me. So um, I'm a director in Deloitte in our consulting practice, and I lead out on our EMEA Blockchain Lab. Um, I started in Deloitte about six or seven years ago as a senior consultant in the financial services space. Uh, And around that time, it was 2016 or so, uh, blockchain started to become quite a hot topic, particularly in financial services. And so the firm were looking to set up a blockchain offering that we could speak to our clients about. Um, And I was asked to project manage um, an engagement with one with the bank uh, on exploring blockchain technology. I'd never heard of blockchain before. I don't have a technical background. I actually studied in Smurfish Management Consultancy, um, but was really interested in the technology in the space. So I I jumped at the opportunity and I've been there ever since. Um, As the team has grown and as blockchain, I guess, technology has grown and our understanding from our clients has grown, uh, I've grown with it. Um, And I now lead out our EMEA Blockchain Lab, which is based in Dublin. Um, and is, I guess the center of excellence really for blockchain across the EMEA region. So that's a little bit about how I how I came to where I am. That sounds interesting. Uh, Lisa, can you elaborate more? What's the experience working in a blockchain lab? Yeah, sure. So I suppose really the, the blockchain lab, as I said, is, is the center of excellence for, for blockchain in Deloitte's EMEA region. Um, I guess we call it a lab because it's really about exploration and innovation um, and exploring this new technology and and where it can go. Um, Our team is, I suppose, I don't want to say divided because we work very closely together, but we have technical expertise and then business expertise. And so the technical folks uh, in the lab would be experimenting with the technology, the various different protocols uh, and understanding how to build uh, and expand blockchain solutions. While the business side um, really explore the value that the technology can bring to our clients. And we invite clients in all the time to do what we would call labs, which are essentially, you know, I suppose, ideation workshops to help take them through the technology, the potential use cases, validate them, show them examples and demos of the technology and where it's worked before. And so that's that's really what the lab is all about. Uh, and my role in that lab is to lead out particularly on the business side to help our clients to navigate this space and, and understand what this technology could mean for them and the impact it will have to their operations um, and how they could, I suppose, leverage and use it um, to look at their future operating model. So that's that's probably the lab in a, in a nutshell. Uh, so hopefully that, that helped explain what we do. So um, following up on that, what application areas are suitable? Does blockchain enable completely new application areas? Yeah, it's a good question. And actually, blockchain technology can be applied really across multiple or any industries or organizations. If you're looking at a a space that has multiple participants that need to share data or transact data in a very secure and transparent manner, um, blockchain technology has an application. So to give different examples, uh, it could be used in the food and consumer industry if we talk about supply chain and, and sharing that data around that good or product as it moves through the supply chain and having that traceability. 
Uh, it could be used in real estate if you're looking at contracts and sharing the ownership and the data around that contract. Uh, it could be used in the music industry in terms of validating um, rights. Uh, we've done a use case in the education space. So being able to validate your identity against your certificate and sharing that data in a very secure manner or across a network. So maybe if you're going for a job, being able to validate that that you know, degree that you got is true and valid. So really, if you're looking at blockchain technology, as long as there is multiple participants who need to share or maintain records of data uh, in a very trusted and secure way across that network, that's gonna bring value to everybody in that network, then blockchain can potentially be applied. Um, I think where we're seeing the most use cases at the moment is probably in the financial services space um, as digital assets become more and more popular and more to the fore. So a lot of financial service institutions trying to understand how this will impact them and where they play. And we're seeing a lot of use cases in life science healthcare around sharing either patient data or data around um, drugs and, and medication in the supply chain. Um, so, so yeah, I guess a really broad answer but it's anywhere where we can see multiple participants wanting to share secure data across a network. How do you strike a balance between depicting blockchain as a normal technology versus a radical transformative technology? Yeah, it's a good question because I think a lot of people, when they hear blockchain, the word almost scares them. They, they don't know what it means, what it involves. Um, I think blockchain technology, while it's new, it's not completely radical. I mean, a lot of the components of blockchain technology have actually been around for a long time. So if you look at cryptography, which is one of the, the components of blockchain technology that's been around since the 70s, the idea of a consensus protocol has been around, I think, since the 80s. And um, we've got proof of work. So it's, it's not that anything is fundamentally new, but what is new is the idea of bringing all these things together and transforming, I guess, how organizations traditionally operate. Um, so the idea of kind of opening up your network and sharing data across each other in a very peer-to-peer -peer fashion is fundamentally new. And when you look at the idea of, you know, taking that into a currency like Bitcoin or, or what other, whatever other digital currency may come and, and removing the need for an intermediary or a bank to provide that layer of trust, that's quite a new concept for organizations to, to kind of grapple with. So I suppose the components aren't that new, but the way that we're using them or the way that we're suggesting we now operate in the future without intermediaries, central banks, you know, cent central authorities uh, is quite new for people to get their head around. I think the other interesting point to say is when we talk to clients, a lot of them as I said, are quite anxious about what this technology means and the investment they're going to have to bring and what it means for their legacy systems. For me, blockchain is actually a complementary technology. So you don't need to replace your legacy systems. It's really an anchor, I suppose, where you can store you know, validated data and share it among the network. So it would almost sit on top of your tech stack um, and you would push that data out to the blockchain network. So it's not about replacing what you have um, because blockchain doesn't store huge reams of data, but it's about having that anchor on top of it where you can validate the data that you need to share and distribute that across the network. So hopefully that kind of explains, I guess it is a new way of doing things, but the components aren't that okay. fundamentally new. So I guess going off of that, um, are blockchains producing new organizational forms? I would say they're producing new ways of doing business for sure. Uh, in terms of, as I said, how we're operating today will fundamentally be disrupted by this idea of 
distributing the data, distributing, I guess, decision-making, removing that intermediary. And, you know, it could re- result, I suppose, in new new operating models or, or new business products and new ways of doing things. If you, for me, it's not about going in and putting a blockchain into what we have today. It's about almost redesigning the process or imagining how the process could look like if the data was decentralized and distributed. And from that, there's lots of new ways and, and new ideas within organizations of how that will impact their, their business. Does yeah, that answer yeah it does. Just continuing on that, uh, do you think blockchains producing new kind of assets for the business? New assets? Yeah, so I think, I suppose with blockchain, there is, a, I want to say it's a new asset, it's a digital asset, right? So it's a way of creating a digital representation of an asset and then storing that on the blockchain network and then almost creating like from the physical asset a digital representation that you can then move around the network and be able to I guess transfer ownership rights or transfer usage rights as it moves through that network so think of things that today would be in physical form if you could digitize a representation of that and store it on the network then there's it opens up I guess the ability to transact with it to get more information from it to pool it across the, uh, the the network of participants. And um, so while it's not fundamentally creating new assets, it's creating the digitization of existing assets to be able to do more with it. So our next question is, what does a blockchain supply chain look like? Yeah, sure. So I guess blockchain is a technology which has a lot of use in supply chain. So that's a really strong use case for blockchain technology. And the reason why it's a strong use case for blockchain technology is because when you think about a supply chain, you've got multiple different participants across that network. So let's use, um, I don't know, the drug supply chain as an example. You've got the manufacturer who maybe produces the drug. You then it goes to a warehouse. It may then go to a distribution center. It then goes out to pharmacies. It might go to hospitals and then to the end patients. So you've got a huge amount of participants across that network uh, who touch off that drug as it moves through that supply chain. So today, traditionally, you know, everybody is, is in some way siloed. And while they share information with each other, it's kind of pushed to the next level of the supply chain. And you don't really have that end-to-end visibility or end-to-end traceability. If you think about a blockchain in a supply chain, we're now, I guess, connecting all of those participants on the one platform or the one network. And every time something happens with that drug or it moves through the supply chain, everybody in that network can see the information and the data related to it. And so it's opening up new possibilities in how that supply chain can work. It may it may remove some intermediaries because maybe we don't need them to validate that you know the drug has passed from one person to another. We can do that automatically through smart contracts. It might change if you are downstream and you're getting more upstream data. It may change simple things like your demand forecasting or understanding how much supply you need to stock because you know what orders are going to be coming downstream. And if you look at the end of the chain, if you think about the patients, it's really, I guess, adding huge value to patient safety if we're able to understand exactly where that drug came from, what journey it went on, maybe what temperature it hit at, at certain elements of the journey. And then if there was any issue with the drug at the end of it, we'll be able to do quite a quick recall in understanding where that batch of drugs came from, if that makes sense. So what a blockchain supply chain for me looks like is an interconnected 
I guess, value chain or interconnected participants that are now have much more transparency and visibility into what's happening end to end and therefore can make more informed decisions and actually can really improve efficiency as well as with the supply chain because you're removing any blockages or slowness of, of, of data connection and you can make better decisions. So that for me is, is the value, I suppose, that blockchain technology brings to the traditional supply chain. With respect to the implementation, uh, interoperability has been uh, one of the top imp- impediments for the blockchain and Deloitte has recommended a framework for blockchain interoperability. Can you elaborate about it? Yeah, you're right. Interoperability is probably one of the challenges. And I think it's important to say that blockchain, even though it's it's growing at a, I guess an exponential rate, it's still a technology that's in its infancy to a degree. And there are some challenges and the idea of interoperability, so trying to understand, well, which there's multiple blockchain protocols and, and there's different protocols depending on, on the use case at hand. Some allow for more privacy, some allow for more scale, some allow for better speed. And I think the interoperability challenge you're referring to is, well, what if one industry decides to go with Ethereum and another industry decides to go with a different protocol, maybe a permission one like Hyperledger or something else? Will they connect and will they be able to speak to each other? And how do we then connect, which is what I suppose the, 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 the nirvana is, what we're looking for is connecting things at a, at a more global level, so being able to have this information. And so how do we look at making sure that those blockchains can talk to each other or that they can connect with each other and that we can get scale? Um, I think there's a lot of work being done on this at the moment. Um, across the blockchain, I guess, networks in terms of understanding how to address these challenges and how to build the next version of protocols that will be able to integrate and interoperate with each other. So maybe there's not just one winner. It's actually that multiple different protocols can speak with each other and gain value from each other. So there is a lot of steps being taken and there's a lot of research being done on it and particular framework considerations to ask yourself as you are embarking on a blockchain journey to be able to make the best protocol choice at this time. Um, But it's definitely still, I guess, a challenge that hasn't fully been solved just yet. Um, Just to switch context slightly, could you talk briefly about emerging trends like DAOs and NFTs? Yeah, absolutely. So DAOs and NFTs, I suppose, are the, as you said, the emerging trends coming out of the, the fundamentals of what blockchain is. So DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. And I guess the principles of it are, are what we're trying to achieve with blockchain is the idea of an organization that operates without the need of a central governance or a leadership team. Really, the rules are written into the technology itself through smart contracts and are then executed to be able to transact the, the organization. Um, individuals would join the organization and have tokens and those tokens would give them voting rights which allow them then to help to operate and govern the the organization but essentially there is no hierarchy so there is no ceo or leadership team who make decisions on behalf of the organization instead everybody who participates in that organization has a vote or has a has some ability to to kind of inform um how how the, the technology be structured. Um, and so it's a really interesting way of looking at how things may go in the future, that technology may be able to provide that backbone in terms of running a, an organization. I think there's 
couple of things to be careful about with it and you know it's particularly in terms of those smart contracts so making sure that as you're writing those smart contracts that you're being quite specific in terms of what that means or what those rules are uh, to execute but we're seeing trends moving forward with this idea of DAOs particularly in decentralized finance so the idea of having I suppose the ability to lend, uh, receive funds, share, distribute funds across a network without the need of a bank. So without the need of that intermediary and doing it fundamentally on the technology itself on a distributed ledger. So that's what DAOs are. Um, and then the idea of NFT is a non-fungible token. Um, and essentially it's a digital asset which represents, I guess, unique ownership rights. And um, it, it represents a specific asset. So you could create an NFT for a property, you could create an NFT for a piece of art, you could create an NFT um, for, for really anything, I suppose. And the idea of it being non-fungible is that it's unique. So a fungible token, so for example, Bitcoin would be fungible because if I gave you one Bitcoin and then you gave me a Bitcoin back, they're, they're kind of the same thing. Like we're still transacting something that's got the same value, where an NFT is a unique value. So if I took I don't know, a, a picture of, of us right now of this screen and create an NFT of it. It's unique. It's different. If you gave me a, a picture in five minutes time of something else, it's not this exact moment. If I gave you an NFT of, um, I suppose, a piece of art or, you know, that I'd created, that's very unique. And although copies may be able to be made of that piece of art, the original one, which the NFT token was created on, is the is the unique one. And so this idea is kind of emerging in terms of creating NFTs across different uh, industries. So as I, I mentioned, art, and that's, a, that's a big one, um, but also even in sports and creating kind of almost fan base or, or loyalty sports cards or tokens or being able to, to have something very unique that's off value. It's a very new space. And so it's interesting to see where it's going to go and what this means and, and the value that's being put on these uh, these things that are being created. Um, but also a lot of talk about using NFTs in the metaverse. So in Web 3.0 and perhaps a visual, a virtual uh, world uh, that, that I think Meta are kind of introducing the idea of metaverse, the idea that can we use NFTs to be able to assign people with property in this virtual world or to be able to assign uh, particular owner ownership rights virtually using an NFT token. So it's all pretty it's all pretty out there and it's all very emerging and I think people trying to understand exactly what value you would put on that or where this is going to go is still up for debate but it's definitely an area getting a lot of interest a very hot topic we're seeing a lot of clients uh, already trying to you know engage with us on NFTs and understanding what that could mean for their business if they created a a unique, ident unique identity around some of their products within their supply chain and, and what that would mean. Um, so yeah, very emerging, but very interesting. Yeah, uh, those were some very good points. Th thanks, Lisa. Uh, uh, thank you for your time. And with this, we will uh, wrap up for the day. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Design Talk. The music used is Check Them In by Emma Grace. Credits and links in the show notes.